growing old. Amen? Amen. We think of that when we think about eternal life, when we think about heaven. But you know what we don't think about is, you know, those that are lost are going to live forever too. Sad as that may be, we like to just think that they die and just go into a state of catatonic state, but that's not the case, unfortunately. There is torment. There is just a terrible, terrible thing for them. But if you can grasp hold of that and gain that concept, you would have a different uh, thought on soul winning, trust me. If you could get a glimpse of people and where they're headed. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. It's not the Gospel of John. I don't know why I say that. It's the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. Amen. The book of John, not 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, not the book of Revelation, the other books that he wrote, but John chapter 1. I'm going to talk tonight on the evils of Labor Day. No, I'm just kidding. At Columbus Day. Just kidding, just kidding. Indigenous Day. Pretty soon it'll be Transgender Day, whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Oh, boy. John... John chapter 1, i got to get back in the Word before I blow a gasket here. Get me preaching real hard here in a minute. I brought most of this message at a different time to you. We're going to recap a little bit of it beginning in verse 1, but really the focus tonight is going to be uh, beginning in verse 19 down through you know the end of, well, about verse 34. We're going to focus on the testimony of John the Baptist, and we're going to look at those, some of those things. What a remarkable man John the Baptist was. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, we're told that there of woman there was no greater man born, believe it or not, of the seed of woman. Of course, Jesus was greater than John the Baptist, but talking there of the flesh, of humankind, that's what the Scripture tells us, that of John there was no greater man born and it even goes one step further, not to have anything to do with John the Baptist, but it says the lowest in heaven is greater than John. Amen? Get to heaven, and you're, it's going to be a remarkable thing. But John the Baptist was a remarkable man. God had been silent to the nation of Israel, basically to the world, concerning his word, concerning prophecy. And all of a sudden, like that, here comes a man on the scene. And I like John the Baptist because... Like most preachers, he's a little off kilter. He's a little off his rocker, if you know what I mean. He's a little crazy, okay? And most of the good preachers are a little crazy. They really are. Tyler's a good preacher, amen? He's a little crazy. He's a little nuts, amen? I like that. Who wants everybody to be the same? But John was, John was a little crazy. If you think of this, concerning the nation of Israel... God has really been silent concerning the nation of Israel in talking to them in the same way now for 2,000 years. In fact, the scripture tells us that their eyes have been blinded during this age of grace. God's not dealing with the nation of Israel right now. He will again one day. God can still deal with individual uh, Israelites by leading them to Christ like we get led to Christ. But when it concerning Israel... so. Imagine Israel. I don't know if you, any of you know uh, Jim Phillips, but Jim Phillips was is a missionary to Israel, and he says you go over to Israel, and there are posters of men who proclaim to be the prophet today. They'll pick one out, and then there'll be like a a great battle within Israel, and there'll be posters and everything up of this prophet. So I kind of envision 
the same thing with John the Baptist. Here are these prophets. Here are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They know the scriptures, right? They know that God is going to speak again, that he's going to talk to them again, that he's going to send a prophet again. And here comes John, and John's a little nuts, okay? But there were probably, we know there were men who came before John. We know that because in Acts chapter 5, they arrest Peter and the other apostles, and they bring them before the Sanhedrin, and a man named Gamaliel, who was Paul's uh, mentor, if you will, he says, look, these are just like all the others that came forward. If they're not of God, they'll fall by the wayside. But if they are of God, what are you going to do? You can't fight them anyway. So I envision that's kind of the, the, the setting here, if you will. God's been silent for 440 years concerning Israel. And now when you think about today's world, he's been silent concerning Israel for 2,000 years, and the same thing's going on. We have all these characters coming forward proclaiming to be uh, the prophet, the Messiah, and all this stuff. And here comes John, just to lay that groundwork for you, if you will, kind of the similarities there. But beginning in John uh, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that's Jesus, because if you, we won't go there for time's sake. But in First John chapter 1, we see John again proclaiming, kind of paraphrasing this same chapter in 1 John chapter 1, and he announces who the Word was. The Word is Jesus Christ. So this passage is concerning Jesus like all the Scripture is. In fact, when you I don't know if I shared this with you before, but you ought to ask yourself when you read Scripture two questions, two main questions. One, what does this have to do with Jesus first and foremost? Because all scripture from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21 or 22, the end of that, it all has to do with Jesus. So what is this scripture, what is this verse, what is this passage, this chapter, what is it saying about Jesus? And then secondly, what does it have to do with me? Okay, doctrinally, uh, in a spiritual application, historically, whatever. What does it have to do with me? Ask yourself those two questions and you will have a different perspective of the scripture. But we see here, uh, John begins to lay out who Jesus Christ was. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not. Just a remarkable, remarkable passage. You get down to verse 6, and it tells us, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. That's not John the Apostle who's writing. That can be confusing. And I know even lifelong Christians who are confused sometimes about that. This is John the Apostle writing this but he's writing it of John the Baptist. Two entirely different people. So there was a man sent from who? From God. So John the Baptist is on a specific mission. He has a specific message, and God sent him. He is doing God's work. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Jesus is the light. John was bearing witness of that light, preparing a way, and that was the true light, in verse 9, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Oh, see, everybody's saved because Jesus lighteth every man that cometh into the world. No, that's not what that scripture means. It means that God lays upon every man the ability to understand who God is. That's why in Romans chapter 1, in verse 20, when it says, I'm paraphrasing here, but when it says, man ought to be able to look upon creation... 
and see that there's something else out there besides them and begin to ask those questions? How, how did this all come into, about, into being? How did we all get here? That's what it's talking about here. That's the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And you can go on down. And what I covered before when I had a chance to speak on this was eight great truths concerning Jesus in this passage. And I didn't get through them all, but I want to just... We're not going to spend a lot of time on them, but we're going to go through them real quick. Number one, he was and is the eternal one who always existed before time and matter. Jesus always existed. There's a thing called incarnational sonship. It's a lie. In Romans chapter 3, you will see a passage there that says that uh, Jesus was made. Well, he was made in the flesh, but he existed before that in heaven. I could show you in the Old Testament where Jesus existed. He even appeared before. He was in the fire, in the flame. He was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he always existed. When it talks here in chapter 1, in the very first verse about in the beginning, it's not talking about in the beginning of God. There was no beginning. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That means there is no beginning. He is. How can you be the beginning and the end? The only way you can be the beginning and the end is if there is no beginning and no end. He is eternity. He is forever. Eternity past, eternity present. So in the beginning was not for the sake of God. That is for our sake. It means in the beginning of our world. Before that, Jesus existed. The second characteristic was, the second great truth was, he was and is a person distinct from God the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, so he's distinct, right? He's separate from God. How can you be with someone if you are that, you know, you have to be separate from that person to be with them. The Word was God, and the Word was God. So separate, but the same. And that's not for a lesson for tonight. That's a lesson for another time. It's just a truth that I wanted to share with you. The third one is he was and is God. Don't let anybody tell you in this world that Jesus never proclaimed to be God. He most certainly did. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. That was his word. He said he's the, the way, the truth, and the life. He said he was the good shepherd. He said all kinds of passages that I could point to you that, that show that he said that he is God. The fourth one, he was coexistent with God the Father from eternity the fifth one, he was the creator of the universe. You can see in Colossians chapter 1. Not only is he the creator of the universe, we, we, we think of that. We think of Jesus as the creator of the universe, and he created everything. And then we like to leave it there and forget about it. That's not what that scripture says. It says, by all things, all, all things consist by Jesus. Not only did he create it, but consist means he holds it all together. Still to this day. To this day, he's holding all of this together around us. So he didn't just create it. He, is, he makes it consist. The sixth point is he is the source of all life and light, both physical and spiritual. He's the source of the sun. He's the source of the moon. He's the source of the stars. He's the source of all light in your spiritual walk. Number seven, he reveals himself to the fallen world, and by that he is invincibly victorious. And then number eight, he entered the world and they ignored him. His people, Israel, rejected him, but those who receive him are uh, granted spiritual 
regeneration. So we see some remarkable truths here concerning Jesus, and then we go forward and we get to verse number 19, and that's kind of where we'll pick up after that brief summary of this amazing passage. It would be a good passage to memorize this whole chapter. But verse 19 says, And this is the record of John. That record means testimony. This is the testimony of John. Do you have a testimony? You ought to have a testimony. I hope that when people look at me at work, they say the testimony of Clancy is that he's a Christian. Amen? It was Johnny Cash who said, I hope that if I'm ever arrested for being a Christian, there's enough evidence to convict me. And I hope that's the case with me. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. It's Isaiah. It's, in, it's interesting to me here that he answered them with Scripture, similar to the way Jesus answered Satan when he was tempted. Amen? They were trying to... You know, if we read it, you could get an impression that they were innocent here and they were just trying to find out who it was. I think it was more sinister. I think they were trying to trip him up or do something or whatever. And he answered them with Scripture. This is who I am. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elijah, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who cometh after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, there are some things here concerning the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he, Jesus came to set up the kingdom of Israel. And that is what John was trying to warn them about when he was talking about repent and things like that. It was to come and to set Christ up as king. But at the same time, right? At the same time, I think God was putting in place, because God knows all things, God knew that Israel was going to reject Christ. He knew that in his foreknowledge. And when John, uh, you know, the, the, the plan for the nation of Israel, they couldn't grasp the concept of a sac the, the Messiah being a sacrificial lamb. That wasn't part of their, their plan. It wasn't part of the message. The prophet was to come and to set up the kingdom. So there's a mixture there of John the Baptist proclaiming that kingdom message, if you will, of uh, Jesus being king, the king of the Jews and setting up an earthly kingdom. At the same time, I think God was using him by saying, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I don't want to get too much into that, but it's clear here because the Lamb of God, the, the sacrifice, the Lamb... Now see, I think that was always the plan, if you will, from the beginning, because Jesus 
knew from that he was, you know, from the very beginning when he created earth, he knew the cross was in the plan, right? But at the same time, parallel to that was the plan for the nation of Israel, right? And it's not that it didn't happen. Well, it didn't happen. It's not that it didn't happen and it won't happen. It will happen in the future. It's just on pause right now, if you will. Does that make sense? So you see both, kind of both plans in play here, if you will. But uh, John the Baptist was amazing. His ministry was only about six months to a year long. Can you imagine that? All these things said of this man who only had a ministry that many people think was maybe six or 12 months long. Uh, one man, F.B. Meyer, said his preaching was as though a spark had fallen on dry tinder. That is probably one of the greatest compliments you could ever give a preacher, amen? <laughs> that he just lit people on fire. And I mentioned earlier he was an odd duck. I mean, out in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey, you know, wearing, what was it, camel's hair for clothing? I mean, he was an odd duck, but I liked him. I liked him. Uh, the Pharisees and the crowd did exactly what they do today. They do exactly what the Pharisees, and make no mistake about it, we have Pharisees today, okay? Churches are full of Pharisees. And they did exactly what they do today. They came out, and we're, we're all guilty of this to some degree. They came out, and they looked upon the man. They looked upon the man. I've had people come to me. Well, I'll tell you, I had a lady one time. I, she didn't come to me. I was watching her on television, or I might have been reading it. And she was just ripping into Charles Stanley. Now, I have issues with Charles Stanley, uh, but it has nothing to do with his appearance or whatever. Her problem was she didn't like it because he, he would say, listen, when he was preaching. If you listen to Charles Stanley, he's like, now listen here, you know. And she didn't like that. You know, you're missing the message. People come to me and they say, how can I listen to this person? I can't stand this person. I don't like this person. I don't like the way he looks, or I don't like the way he speaks, or I don't... Well, are you listening to what he's saying? Because the message is the important thing, not the person. And I find it odd here that what do the Pharisees come and say? Who are you? Who cares? Really, who cares who I am? Listen to my message, and we'll get into that in a minute, a little bit more. But three points I want to talk about. First, let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I don't know why I'm going here, but let's see if it rings a bell with me. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerus to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may ha uh, come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, 
And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. You know what? I think I was supposed to go to Matthew 11, 1. <laughs> it just dawned on me. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, that's John the Baptist, and said unto him, Thou art he, uh, art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers, and so forth. Just a little background of John there. John is questioning, who is this? Are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for? It's kind of an odd question considering they were cousins. You know, you'd think he knew by then. But I guess he just wanted to be sure or there was some doubt in his mind. But back in John chapter 1, the three points I want to talk, point out tonight, the first one is the confession. The confession. Look with me again in verse 20 through 23. The first thing that John that tells us there by John is, and he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of myself? So the th first thing I want to point out is, this is going to come as a surprise to some of you. We are not God. John the Baptist says right there, uh, I am not the Christ. Okay? We have all kinds of people who think they are. Even people who don't outright proclaim that they are, they think they are, and they act like they are. We are not God. We are sinners and must always re realize our relationship and status with Him. People do not like it when you go talk to a lost person about their sin. The world does not like it. Because the first thing out of their mouth is, judge not lest you be judged. Listen, you cannot lead someone to Christ until that individual realizes where they stand in relation to Christ, in relation to their sin. You must get them lost before you can get them saved. It's impossible. If, if, they, think they're, if they don't think they're lost, how are you ever going to get them saved? How are you ever going to lead them somewhere where they don't think they need to be? So we have to, come to, we have to come to understanding as well as Christians where we are in our relationship status with him. Look with me at James chapter 5, verse 16. pastor preached on this probably about five or six months ago on a Wednesday night some of this stuff and uh, he was talking about some of this and, and James here says confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much now pastor was talking about how in this dispensation that James is written in that we don't have in the dispensation that we live in we don't have to confess our faults there's a degree of truth there but if you remember I asked a question back there I said Sin separates us from God. We know that. We see in Psalms chapter 51 that David was saved. David, even though he was Old Testament, he was saved. And David committed a trespass. He sinned. And in Psalm 51, it tells us that there was a division there. There was a, a, a wall put up. Whenever you sin, whenever you disobey God, whenever you're in disobedience, there is a fracture there of the relationship. If you think of yourself as 
Christ is your father and you as his son, and then you think of your relationship with your children, when one of your children disobeys you, that relationship, there's some stress there, right? So how does it get right again? It's not up to God to make it right. He is the one who was wronged, right? It's up to us to go to him and to make it right and to say, God, I'm sorry, I did this thing, I repent. You know, Even though that's not what we do for salvation, our sins are already forgiven. Your sins past, your sins present, your sins, fu- sins future are hidden, are covered under the blood of Christ, right? But there's still a degree concerning the relationship that you have with Christ. Does that make sense? So we should confess who we are at all times and realize our relationship with him. Look with me at Revelation chapter 19. Interesting passage of scripture here. Revelation 19.10. This is John the Apostle who wrote this and who saw the vision and who's speaking here. And he says, And I fell at his feet, that being an angel. He fell at the feet of an angel. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel had the right confession. He said, I'm not God. You need to give God the glory that he deserves. I don't deserve his glory. So we need to realize who who we are. John the Baptist understood who he was, and he confessed immediately, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ. All testimony must begin with who we are, sinners saved by the grace of God. Sinners saved by the grace of God. So we're not God. The other thing is, we're not someone else. They asked him, in verse 21, they asked him, What then? Art thou Elijah? Elias? Or Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. We have all sorts of people running through the churches today who think they're somebody that they're not. Most of them think they're the pastor when they're not. Most of them, some of them think they're a, 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 a deacon and they're not. You are who you are and you're part of the body of Christ, whether you're a toe or whether you're the head. But we're all a part. We all play a part. We all have a purpose except for whoever the appendix is. We can do without you. Amen? <laughs> but we all have a part. Uh, we got rid of the appendix a long time ago. They're no longer with us. Amen? <laughs> but just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, you are who you are. So many problems in the church arise because someone thinks they're somebody that they're not. We only have one pastor, one head pastor, one assistant pastor. And the rest of us aren't them. Okay? So concentrate on who God called you to be and be the one that God called you to be and let them be the person that God called them to be. And uh, John could have answered here, well, you know, there are a lot of similarities between the prophecy concerning Elijah and me. You know, he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, blah, blah, blah. No. He said, that ain't me. I am who I am. I am what I am. John the Popeye. I am what I am. But we need to know that we are not someone else. We're not the pastor. We're not the deacons. I remember we sang tonight. Um, what was that old song Dave Murner used to like, the one that we sang tonight? When the roll's called up yonder. 
Dave Murner was an, an older gentleman at our church up in Fife Lake, and uh, he had a unique ministry. He understood he wasn't going to have a ministry in the church. You know, he wasn't a teacher. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a deacon. He wasn't any of those things. He couldn't sing, you know, but he, he found out what it was. He would visit the nursing home, and he would collect all of these stuff. They must have hated him at the nursing home because he'd take hundreds of stuffed animals to the nursing home and hand them out to the older folks. And that was his ministry. And he'd sit and talk to them about the Lord while he gave them a stuffed animal, and the people loved it. Dave Murner knew who he was. He knew what, who he was. He wasn't trying to be someone else. And God gave him that gift, and he used it. And so that's what, kind of what I'm trying to tell you there. So the first part is the confession. Notice who John the Baptist did say he was. Look who he said he was in verse 23. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. It doesn't matter who he is. It matters what he says. That's what he's saying. He says he basically says to them, listen, guys, it doesn't matter who I am. The message that I have is the most important thing. And so many times in today's churches, in today's society, we're looking for someone. You know, why do you think a charlatan like Joel Osteen gets the following that he does? Do you think that it's because of he preaches the word of God and people are listening to the message that he has? Well, they're listening to the message that he has, but it's not the word of God. And they're following that? They're following people. They're following people. And they, you know, Tyler talked about it this morning. You know, we have to, you know, in some churches, this color blue would almost be borderline. Because you can only stand behind the pulpit in white shirts or light, light blue uh, shirt. You must have a tie on. No boots. My wire rim glasses would be out of the question. I'd have to preach down here on the floor. And it's just silliness. Who cares? Do you want to hear my message? Do you want to hear what I have to say, what the Lord laid upon my heart? Or do you care that I have wire, stupid wire rim glasses on? Well, that's worldly. Guess what, guys? Every one of you drove here in a worldly car. You walked in here in your worldly shoes. You sat in the worldly chair. You know, it's silliness. It's silliness. And that's basically, I think, what John the Baptist is telling them here. Who cares who I am? Here's the message. Here's the message. And he continued to give them the message. The second point I want to point out is he was crying. In verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Are you crying? I'm not talking about physical tears. I'm talking about are you proclaiming the word of God? Pastor Carlton Cooper at Bethel Baptist Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia, where Brandy and I were members for a while, he once said, I'll never forget it, he said, Jesus has no private followers. You can't follow Christ and be quiet. You can say you're following Christ and be quiet, but you're truly not following Christ. Because if you're following Christ and you partake in his blessings and the things he has done for you, you wouldn't be able to keep your mouth shut. If you fully understood what he, can, what he truly does for you, if you could see if the, the curtain could be revealed and you could see all the things. Pastor's been talking about the spirit world and what's going on. 
if you could see the angelic hosts that are probably in battle for every one of us at any given time that God has sent for us, you would be, you'd probably drop to your knees and praise God immediately. We should not be private followers. He said, in fact, Pastor Cooper, I remember this, he said, uh, he likes walkie-talkie Christians. You receive it, and you proclaim it. You receive it, you proclaim it. You're constantly receiving and proclaiming. Your testimony should proclaim loudly the gospel of Jesus. What was John the Baptist proclaiming? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Luke 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and of the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. That's John the Baptist. The word of God came unto John, and what did he start doing? He started crying it, proclaiming it, testifying of it. Look with me at Romans chapter 10. I told you, you can't be a silent follower. You can't be a private follower. And this passage just confirms it. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the, man, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Look with me at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 15 and 16. So as much as in, me, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, if I tell my neighbor about Jesus, he's going to get mad at me. He's not going to like me. Listen, I've never had a neighbor that liked me. They all hate me. And it has nothing to do with the gospel. So I might as well just... I, I've told you before, my theory is when I don't like somebody, I witness to them. If they don't like it, they'll leave me alone. And if they listen to it, they maybe they'll get saved. Why not? What do you got to lose? The best people to witness to are people who don't like you or you don't like them. Because what do you got to lose? If they don't like it, they're going to walk away. Who cares? But we should proclaim the gospel. I'll give you a couple other verses. We won't go there, but Psalm 119.46, if you want to write that down, and then Psalm 138.1 for time's sake. The third point I want to give you, we had confess, confession, crying, and last, confirming. Look in verse 29 back in John chapter 1. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Can you imagine everybody's face when he said that? Like, the only people that were in on it was John and Jesus, and everybody else must have been looking like, what is he talking about? It's crazy, you know? 
I, I, those are the things I think about, you know. I, can you picture it? What do you mean, the, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world? You know, it's crazy. Your testimony should declare, not only should you testify, but your testimony should declare the glory of God and salvation of Jesus. Every time you talk, every time you speak, you should, it should glorify God and the salvation of Jesus. Look back in Romans chapter 1 with me. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his uh, name, among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ. You look at Paul's writings over and over and over again. He's proclaiming who he is. In almost every writing, he says, I am a servant of God. I am a servant of God. I am a servant of God. And then he's proclaiming who Christ is. Every uh, epistle that he wrote, every passage that he wrote, and then he declares the glory of the salvation of Jesus. Look with me at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 19 through 20. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus proving that this is very Christ he continuously continues 1 Corinthians chapter 15 we can go there 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Paul again verse 12 Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men most miserable so the confession of who we are and who God is should be part of our testimony we should cry that testimony cry it in the wilderness and then it should confirm who God is it should confirm uh, his glory and the salvation of Jesus. John's testimony here first declared who he was, then his preaching and crying, and finally his confirming who Jesus is. All of those things should be part of your testimony. Or do we just like to talk about who we are? Do we like to pretend like we're someone else? Do we not back up what we say with the glory of God? So just some things to chew on, some things to think about concerning John the Baptist in the testimony of Christ. Any questions? Any comments?
No? As we close in prayer, I think we ought to pray for Brother Dave. Look looked like he wasn't doing too well, and I think we should continue to pray for Vaughn as well. Is, is he still in the hospital? He is? Okay. Any other prayer requests? Remember, Pastor, I don't know when they're coming back, but do you know? Tomorrow? Look like Noah had caught a pretty good-sized fish from what I saw. Any other prayer requests? We want to pray for Madeline. She's moved to uh, another place, so we want to pray for that. Anything else? Mrs. Gleason, is she doing okay? Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Amen. I think the rapture happened or something. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do love you, and Father, we do want to proclaim your glory. We want to thank you for your salvation, Lord. We want to be careful to remember who we are, Lord, in relation to you, Lord. We're just sinners saved by grace, and we need you every hour, Lord. We need you every day. We need you every minute of our lives, and Father, we probably don't understand that enough, but Father, we do, and we love you, and uh, we just come to you tonight, and we bring these concerns uh, with Dave and his health before you, Lord, and pray that you would give him strength right now. I know uh, Miss Karen is uh, usually very nervous and scared when these things happen, so we pray that you would give her peace and give her comfort at this time, Lord, and we pray that even now you might touch his body lord and make him whole father we pray for healing concerning this parkinson's lord and that you would just wipe it from his body and father we pray for vaughn tonight as he's still in the hospital and pray that uh, you would continue to do uh, work there that the medicine and the doctors would be able to uh, fix this issue that he has lord and uh, we thank uh, thank you for uh, the Gleason's grandkids coming from Oklahoma, Lord. Pray for a good time of fellowship there with them, and we hope we get to see them on Wednesday, Lord, and we love them and just want to love on them and let them know how much we care about them. We think of Pastor as he comes back with the boys and just pray that they've had a good time. Pray for safety, Lord, and Father, as we go tomorrow into the highways and byways of our work or our friends, wherever it may be, Lord, we just pray that uh, we would not be private followers of you, Lord, but that we would uh, as it says in the book of Acts, boldly proclaim the word of God, that you would give us strength, Lord, give us faith to tell others about you, Lord, and to proclaim the glory of God and the salvation of Christ. And Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for this day. We pray for those who, for whatever reason, couldn't be here tonight, Lord, and we just pray that you would, uh, if there's an issue concerning health or whatever other reason they couldn't be here, Lord, that you would take care of that issue. But Lord, if they're just not here for the sake of not being here we pray that you would uh just touch their hearts and convict them lord uh, we miss them we want to see them here and lord they need to be here as the scripture says so father we just thank you we pray that you go with us now as we leave here uh continue to touch us lord we love you we pray that your will will be done in our lives in jesus name amen you are dismissed